0: Sam Darnold connects with Saquon Barkley, and we rank the Jets' all-time greatest rivals. Sam Darnold, Saquon Barkley, forever linked. In the draft class, Dave Gettleman decided to go with the running back over the quarterback, lined up with Barkley and Daniel Jones instead of Darnold. Well, these two forever linked guys who even battled in the Rose Bowl once upon a time are now hooking up with the help of quarterback guru Jordan Palmer, of course. That's Darnold's boy. Darnold connects with Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. Yes, folks, Darnold is surrounding himself with some type of caliber running back. Throw Le'Veon Bell in there and He's got the trifecta. Uh, first clip here for the people on YouTube. Donald finds Barkley in the red zone on an in cut thanks to Devin Quinning at Instagram. Devin. I mean, Saquon Barkley could do it all. He's like Le'Veon Bell. Um, the only thing he lacks is his blocking, his pass blocking, his pass protection, as you saw with Jamal Adams last year, when Jamal Adams stole Daniel Jones' lunch right out of his hands. Um, not to be outdone, Christian McCaffrey then got in on the action with Sam Darnold.
1: I took one, side.
0: And finally, Darnold uh, showed us how terrible a route runner he actually is running, uh, again, an in cut, a dig here to no avail. (laughs)
1: Uh
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah. He should stick to the right arm. Not looking exactly like Tom Brady on the, uh, Quarterback out of the backfield. I forget what play it was in the Super Bowl against Philly. Uh, The trick play where he just looked completely unathletic, which he is. Not exactly that level of unathleticism, but give him 10, 15 years. He'll get there. Uh, It's pretty much a certain guarantee. So Darnold highlights out of, I think they were, in California now, after the three-day training period Darnold put up with his teammates. That was a decent thing. The other thing to quickly call out, too, is Jamal Adams, who has Jets fans coming. Jets fans don't know whether they're coming or going with this guy. They are losing their mind every time Jamal Adams posts something, and you gotta stop. Listen, we we all know Jamal tries to be cryptic. We all know he's probably trying to play on your emotions a little bit. Let it go. The best thing to do is not, ignore, not uh, play into it, not feed into it, not give them any energy, not give these social media posts any energy. This offseason, unlike the previous two, Jamal hasn't really commented on incoming Jets, free agents, drafts, uh, rookies, yet it's all Dallas all the time. Uh, the latest example is C.D. Lamb again for the people on YouTube quote yeah little bro is about to snap I know they were both born in Texas unless I'm missing something I think that's the only connection they have Uh, but it's Jamal quote tweeting C.D. Lamb working out in what looks to be a backyard with a cowboy's helmet and just shorts on. And Jamal, you know, he's touching the nerve. He's touching the nerve with every Cowboys tweet he puts out. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue. Um, you know, on Instagram, he also posted a picture of him in a Jets jersey with the quote, saying self-explanatory something along those lines so for the jets fans who buy into the stuff and feed into the stuff that was a positive one uh this was the first tweet a few days ago quote tweets a i'm really from dallas heavy on the dallas all caps we built a little different and jamal adams Quote, tweets that with a true story, all caps. So, on the social media news front, that's just, uh... That's the stuff that's going on right now. Other than the fact, that in the real news department, uh, John Melody, the Jets' longtime trainer trainer, head trainer since 2006, assistant since 1996, has been replaced. He's a consultant now. And... 21 Jets hit injured reserve last year. It's a theme that's continued with Adam Gase. As we all know, Adam Gase, Ryan Tannehill, only played 24 games of a possible 48-49, if you include the one playoff game. Three years in Miami. And Gase told the media they, the Jets would look into it after the season. Interestingly, the move comes now. In mid June, uh, by all accounts, John Melody was loved, is loved. He's not—he's not leaving the organization. He's still a consultant, but he's out of his spot. Um, I guess the injuries to Mosley, Williamson, Herndon, Anunwa were just a bit too much to keep him around. Rich Cimini first reported this, and Melody. The only response he had was, I'm not going to comment, when a reporter reached him on Tuesday. Assistant trainer Dave Zuffaledo has been elevated to this top spot, while Robert Daplin, formerly of West Point, will become the new assistant trainer. And uh, as previously stated, Melody will be a consultant. So on the news front, that's pretty much all that's happening right now. Um sports in general, baseball looks like they're they're gonna get back to playing, thank God. That sport could not have gone on if they didn't play this season. Manfred wanted a face to face with Tony Clark and the players' association. They got that done. And John Heyman tweeted out that it looks like there will be a season. I forget the particulars, but it looks like that meeting saved uh, a lot of baseball this season. Ranking the New York Jets' greatest all-time rivals. This is the big reason why we're here today. In this exercise, it's not just about the teams. It's not just about players. We threw everything in the pie. Players, teams, coaches, media personalities, everybody. In that regard, it's an interesting ranking to put together. You know, you're looking at the image again for the YouTube people. You're looking at the image: Tom Brady, Don Shula, Thurman Thomas, Victor Cruz, Bill Belichick, Dan Marino. Those are just six individuals of many who could make this list, and we're gonna count it down right now. First, the notables. And the notable section is a decent list. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals, and San Diego Chargers. The reason these three are here, each of these three teams have played the Jets twice in the playoffs. And considering, you know, the Jets have made the playoffs, what I think, uh, 14 times in total in their history. Teams... It, it's a decent thing to do to play the Jets twice with that few games. Pittsburgh, uh, Jets are 0-2 against. Obviously, the zero four 4 heartbreaker with Doug Bryan. And in the 2010 last playoff game with Rex Ryan, last playoff game the organization has experienced, both at Heinz Field. So Pittsburgh has been a thorn in the side of the Jets in January. You got the Cincinnati Bengals, who the Jets have played twice and have beaten twice. And you got the San Diego Chargers. Who again? Lovely memories, both in San Diego. Oh four before the Hines Field disaster. And in O nine, which really didn't kick off the Rex era, but it cemented it after the, the Bengals wildcard victory. Others in the notable section, the Houston Oilers, who were an old-school AFL team, remember? They really kicked off the AFL with dominance. The only time the Jets and Oilers are played in the playoffs was 91. But the Oilers' dominance in the AFL would rank up there and make them the New York Titans' lone rival. Uh, Jets finished second in 1960 in the first AFL season. And then they finished second again, one game behind the Oilers in 1967 when Joe Namath and the team was on the come up. So the Oilers in the AFL was a thorn. They were a rival for the Jets. And they definitely deserve to be in the notable section. Players in the Notables, you got Jim Kelly, you got George Blanda, you got Daryl LaMonica, you got Len Dawson, you got Jason Taylor, Rob Gronkowski, Willie Lanier, Willie Brown, Victor Cruz, Bruce Smith, OJ Simpson. Willie Lanier, remember, for some old school Jets fans, the most heartbreaking loss in their fandom is the 69 AFL semifinals. The Jets lost 13-6. It was 6-3 in favor of Kansas City when the Jets got on the one-yard line. First down. Willie Lanier helped stuff the Jets twice on the ground. An incompletion mixed in as well. Jets had to settle for a field goal, tied up at six. But then Lynn Dawson and the Chiefs marched down the field and score the game winning touchdown 13-6 victory. If not for that game. And that was in Shea Stadium. If not for the Chiefs, the Jets could be two-time winning Super Bowl champions. In Super Bowl 3 and Super Bowl 4. Instead of the Jets and Chiefs being intertwined as the two AFL teams who really helped create the merger, it could have been all Jets. It could have been Joe Namath. It could have been Jets twice. So remember that. That 69 AFL championship looms large. O.J. Simpson, the all-time leading rusher against the Jets. Why is he not in the top 14? Well, he played during a time when the Jets were terrible. 1970s for New York football, Jets and Giants. You don't even want to think about it. I wasn't around then. I couldn't imagine what it was like. Yeah, wait a second. I can because the last five, six, seven years have been pretty similar with the Jets and Giants. But this is the reason O.J. stays in the notable section. Um, because it just really wasn't a rivalry. O.J. would just run all over the Jets any chance he got. Number 14, Mike Francesa. Yeah, it's a weird one. Can you call it a rivalry exactly? Well, the way Merriam-Webster defines rivalry is this one or two or more striving to reach to obtain something that only one can possess. What was Francesa and the Jets striving for that only one could possess during 09 and 10? The limelight. Rex Ryan, new kid on the block, brash, wanted the attention. The Jets, no more Mangini, no more... Secret meetings, no more be quiet, you know, let your actions do your talking. They rode Rex into this new era where they were brash, loud, unapologetic, and ready to take names. Anyone who infringes on Mike Francesa's territory, which is New York sports, becomes an enemy. Francesa gave the Jets such a hard time from Rex's arrival in 2009 to Idzik's departure in 2014 that he has to be on this list. He was such a pain in the ass. From his incompetent John Idzik rant to the infamous Daryl Revis interview to getting all over Rex about the Colts game in week 16 in 2009. This guy just destroyed the jets destroyed them any chance he got
1: when you go in there and you act like that you just make it worse and i'm telling you the owner has to be cringing you can't stonewall everybody that way to go in there and waste 20 minutes of that time telling you how good everybody is when the team is a mortal embarrassment is a waste of time. He should have gone in there today, showed some anger, and said this is unacceptable, and we're going to make changes. We're going to bring in players that can play. We're going to get this turned around. We're going to find people who can play this game to try and tell you, as he did, we're very close to winning. At 1-7, we all know that's not true. Number two, to tell you that you have good players and good coaches. If you have good players and good coaches, why are you 1-7? Then he told you every position's the same. If the man doesn't value the quarterback position, he should not be in a position of authority in the National Football League. In the National Football League, positions are not equal. You have to find a quarterback. He basically told you, we don't need that. We need to have every player, every position. That's how we win. Then he told you, I've won in the past. No, he hasn't. He was in Tampa when they won a championship he had nothing to do with it he was in seattle he was not ever in a position of authority the guys never picked a player before he got here and you know what you can almost say the same thing now after two years yes he picked a couple of defensive linemen oh hallelujah okay big deal they gotta get a couple of them right look at this year's draft the team is bad the quarterback position—they didn't even tell you who the quarterback is. How could you this week go to Kansas City, which is a pit to play in, and play Geno Smith, and then tell me you're trying to win? The
0: Idzik rant was warranted. There's no question about it. But the stuff with the 2009 team at the end of the season—that got a little personal. And knowing Mike Francesa, maybe he did it for ratings because what his job is to do. And he knows it. He's got that social media mind before there was social media. His job is to make you either love him or hate him. And with Rex Ryan and the Jets and the Jets fan, he obviously went for the let's make them hate me route.
1: you are playing against a starter or a backup or whatever. I mean, for half the year, people have played against our backup nose tackle. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody's made note of that. You know, I know this is Peyton Manning or whatever, but he did play three and a half quarters anyway. Oh, stop now. You know what? That's outrageous. You know, that is outrageous. You begged them to take their players out last week. You said you wanted it for Christmas. You begged them to take their players out. And now you're going to tell me, well, Peyton Manning played for three and a half quarters. we would What? Now to say you would have beat them. Boy, that that is the essence of ingratitude right there. That is just a joke. Don't, let me say this, for the Jets, for Florham Park, for anyone who wants to hear it, there is not a chance in the world the Jets would have beat the Colts if they had played. They were 14-0. and They're on the moon compared to where you are in the NFL. They're 14-0, and and they would have been 15-0, and going away.
0: See, that's where Francesca goes wrong. You could never tell someone where the outcome of a game would have been. The Jets were fortunate. But this is Rex Ryan. What's Rex Ryan supposed to do? Say, yeah, we were lucky. We would have lost the game. He's supposed to say that publicly. Is he supposed to let his players hear that. No, he's in a tough spot. He got a gift. They accepted the gift. And he's got to play it in, the, in a way that keeps his players' uh, mindset and emotions up. And guess what? It worked. They crushed Cincinnati the next week, beat Cincy in the playoffs, beat San Diego in San Diego, and then meet the same Peyton Manning Colts team in the championship game. So I guess the Colts weren't on the moon compared to where the Jets were that season. For these things and more, Francesa is the media member who makes the list, and it is well-deserved. He could have been higher than 14, but let's not go crazy. Number 13, Peyton Manning. The Jets played Peyton Manning three times in the playoffs and finished with a 2-1 record. Remember, the Colts were in the AFC East up until the restructuring in, what was it, 2002? It was a five-team division. The Colts go away, go to the South, Once the NFL gets to gets to 32 teams and they couldn't get rid of this guy. They played this guy three times in the playoffs, go two and one. Their only loss was in the championship game in 2009, which we just touched on. So Manning definitely qualifies three times in the playoffs. He's a rival. No question. Number 12, Thurman Thomas, this man is the second-leading rusher against the Jets all-time. He tortured the Jets. Tortured them. He was so good, and people forget about it. Thurman Thomas, number 12. Number 11, the New York Giants. No, they don't deserve to be higher. When you play a team once every four years, it's just an impossibility. But considering they have been around since 1925, the Jets played in Giants Stadium for all those years, they're still the Big Brothers and the co-tenant of BetLife. They're that lingering team where the rivalry is geographic and not on the field. And still on the field, the Giants and Victor Cruz represent the one play that changed the Jets and the Giants' fortunes, completely reversed them. In 2011, end of the season, near the holidays, the Victor Cruz 99-yard touchdown, is that play that sent the Giants to the Super Bowl, on the road to the Super Bowl, and the Jets completely uh, depleted and depressed. That was the end. That marked the end. Number 10. Kansas City Chiefs, it's not the most obvious rivalry. So that 69 AFL semifinal looms large, as does the entire AFL rivalry. The Chiefs were probably the Jets' biggest AFL rival. And the Chiefs fan was the most similar to the Jets fan. For all these years prior to last year's Super Bowl. The starving fan base. The AFL team who only has won Super Bowl so long ago. Chiefs number 10. Indianapolis, Baltimore Colts number 9. Super Bowl 3, of course. Then the Colts moved over to the AFC East. F- coming from the NFL when the merger happened. Coming over with the Steelers and the Browns. And... They've played each other in the playoffs a total of four times. Super Bowl three, and in the three Peyton Manning games. Number eight, the Buffalo Bills. For some reason, and it's logical, not for some reason, for many good reasons, the Jets fan doesn't have that hatred towards the Bills, like he or she does towards the Dolphins or the Patriots. It's just not there. Yes, they dominated the Jets in the late 80s, early 90s. Yep, OJ Simpson ran amok in the 70s. But the hatred just isn't there. You know, Buffalo is not a... It, you like Buffalo. You, you can't hate Buffalo. You can't hate the Buffalo person. Um, so they are a distant third. In terms of the AFC East, they are a distant third, and they come in at number eight. Number seven, the Oakland Raiders. Yes, the Oakland Raiders are ranked ahead of the Buffalo Bills. Why? Well, even though both were AFL teams, Oakland was more of a rival for the Jets than the Bills were, especially in the late 60s. Jets had to go through Oakland to get to Super Bowl three, And Buffalo wasn't really around then. They weren't really doing much. And in addition... Well, the Jets have only played the Bills, I think, once in the playoffs. Was it 81 when they, yeah, they, 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 the Jets' first really good season since Super Bowl III in 81 was taken out by the Bills at Shea, a disappointing playoff game for the Jets. They've played the Raiders, uh, what was it, three or four times in the playoffs? A lot. Yeah, four times. Tied with the Colts, with the most. Uh, You got the Heidi game. You got the Jets shocking the LA Raiders in 82. You got the 68 championship game, as previously mentioned. And then you got 2001 and 2002. The wild card and the divisional with John Gruden's teams. The Jets and the Raiders rivalry is a good one. Even though it doesn't come within the AFC East. A lot of people will argue Buffalo against Oakland. Buffalo should be higher than Oakland. But I think because of the AFL connection, Buffalo was there too. But the Raiders were more the Raiders were good when the Jets were good. The Bills were good when the Jets were not good in the AFL. And since then, more playoff games with the Raiders. I think the Raiders are ahead of the Bills. I think the Jets fan hates the Raiders more. Number six, Tom Brady. He's not number one, two, three. He has dominated the Jets to such a degree. While he should be high, especially because of the way he was introduced to the league because of Mo Lewis. He's dominated the Jets so much. He should be just outside the top five. Um... And rival. It's more like Brady should thank Mo Lewis every time he sees him. Number five, Don Shula. Don Shula. Obviously Belichick too, but Don Shula was the coach the Jet fan hated to see the most. And it wasn't even close. First of all, he coached the Colts in Super Bowl three. Jets won, so you don't really build that hatred towards the guy. Then he hooks on with the Dolphins. 82. Championship game. He muddies up the field down south. So the faster Jets can't get it done. They lose by two scores. A.J. Dewey, three interceptions. You know the drill. That was Don Shula. He is one of the top five rivals to this organization by far. And it's not even close. The hatred old-school Jets fans have towards Don Shula is completely warranted. Number four, the New England Patriots. A lot of young fans will have the Patriots number one. They shouldn't be number one. Yes, right now, who is the Jets' top rival? It's the Patriots. Because of what Brady did the last 20 years, because of Bill Belichick and his story, no question. But over the entirety of the Jets' 60 years, it's the Dolphins. The Dolphins, and we'll touch on it soon because the Dolphins are in the top three. The Dolphins and Jets rivalry was more meaningful, more roller coaster ride-ish. It went up and down, unlike the Patriots. The Jets' only sniff of success was 2010 when they won in Foxborough and 2002 when the Pats helped the Jets get in on the last... Uh, game of the season. Number three is Dan Marino. It all started at the '83 draft. Jets could have had this guy. Could have had Dan Marino. Instead, they take Ken O'Brien. Everyone knows the story. Dan Marino goes on to torch the Jets for a career, but that doesn't mean the Dolphins torch the Jets. They went back and forth. Marino put up a lot of yards, put up a lot of touchdowns, but so did Ken O'Brien. Marino at three makes sense. Uh, we remember the 86 game, the shootout between him and O'Brien. In overtime with Wesley Walker, we remember the fake spike, which created, literally, created a whole new play uh, for the NFL. Number two is Bill Belichick. You couldn't write a more a crazier script than what happened with Bill Belichick and the Jets. For this guy to be with Parcells in New York with the Giants, get his opportunity in Cleveland, fail, follow Parcells to the Pats for a year, be named head coach at the Jets just to hold it for Par- Parcells while he fought with Robert Kraft, allow Parcells to come in, be an assistant, and know he'd be named head coach when Parcells finally left, only to just completely say, no thanks, I'll screw you guys right now, and go back to New England? The best writer in the world couldn't think of that. And yet, that's what happened. And yeah, Belichick has dominated the Jets for two decades. But because of that story, and because of Belichick's hatred for the Jets, he has to be in the top two or three. The hatred back and forth. Like, it doesn't matter if the Jets are a three-win team in week 14. You see Belichick on the sideline after the Pats win. he's He's whipping it up and hooting and hollering and smiling and having a good old time, acting like he just won the AFC title game. That's Belichick when he thinks about beating the Jets. And that's why he's number two, despite the pure dominance the Pats and Belichick have had over the Jets. Number one, the Miami Dolphins. It is the Miami Dolphins. And it's close. The Pats are up there. Belichick's up there. But the Miami Dolphins is still number one. Monday Night Miracle. The 82 championship game. Marino versus O'Brien. 2008. What happened with the Favre season. Marino and O'Brien in the 83 draft. This rivalry has had it all since the early 80s. And it truly is a rivalry, unlike the Pats, in which the teams go back and forth. The all-time series is 55-53-1 in favor of the Jets. They got a two-game lead, unlike the Pats, where I think they're about 10 or 12 games under five hundred. It's a complete guess, though. Look it up for yourself. So from that standpoint, the Dolphins have to be number one. An old-school... Jets fans recognize this. Dolphins won. And to me, it's not close. I take it back. It is a little close based on what the Patriots and Belichick have done. But I don't think you could choose the Pats, in other words. I think it has to be the Dolphins. Dolphins, number one. Belichick, number two. Marino, Three the Pats, 4, Don Shula, 5, Tom Brady, 6, Oakland Raiders, 7, Buffalo Bills, 8, the Colts, 9, uh, the Chiefs, 10, the Giants, 11, Thurman Thomas, 12, P.M. Manning, 13, and Mike Francesa, the guy everyone loves to hate, especially the Jets. In two thousand and nine and two thousand ten and two thousand eleven and so on is number fourteen. He rounds it out. Until next time.